in the midst of utter woe. When our sins oppress us, where shall we for refuge go? Where for grace to bless us? To Thee, Lord Jesus, only. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear saints of God, it's always good to remind ourselves about what the old theologians called the dulce nomine morte. <laughs> that rolls off the tongue. The dulce nomine morte. The sweet names of death. It's especially helpful when we ourselves are standing right on the edge of death. Either our own death or the death of a loved one, someone dear to us, that we could use the language to talk about this with the words that the Scriptures give to us. So I'll list a few of these names that the Bible gives to death. You can jot them down on your bulletin or there's copies of the sermon. You can pick it up, have it, and you can review them this week. You can, you can think about which ones are your favorites, etc. These sweet names that the Bible gives to death. The first is this, to depart and to be with Christ. Paul writes, Philippians 1.23, I am hard-pressed between the two, for my desire is to depart and be with Christ, because that is far better. A similar sweet name that the Bible gives to death is this, to depart in peace. We, we sing this all the time after the Lord's Supper, the Song of Simeon, Luke 2.29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. Or how about this name for death? This is one of my favorites, Isaiah 57, to be taken from evil. The righteous man perishes and no one lays it to his heart. Devout men are taken away while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from evil. Jesus taught us a similar name for death, deliverance or deliverance from evil when He taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In fact, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying that the Lord Jesus would take us from this valley of sorrows to be with Himself in heaven. We're praying for a blessed end. Here's another one. This comes up a couple times. To pass from death to life. How about that? We, we always think that, that life comes first and then death, but the Bible says it the other way around. First comes death and then life. The words of our Lord Jesus, John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Or Revelation 2.10, similar words from our Lord Jesus in the letter to the church there. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. But be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. A lot of people, and this is the, the language that we use in our culture, a lot of people will call death a loss. You've heard this, you've said it, I'm sure, any number of times. Uh, when someone is in the midst of mourning, they'll say, I'm sorry for your loss, right? But the Bible has a, has a different name. In fact, the Bible calls death gain. 
Listen to this. Paul writes, Philippians 1.21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. These are some of the sweet names that the Bible gives to the believer's death. But perhaps the sweetest of them all is the name that we come across in the text today. It is this name. Sleep. Sleep. How many of us, at least if we're over the age of 18, would often say, I really need some sleep. <laughs> we look forward to it. We, we go to our beds and we lay down in peace and joy knowing that in the morning we'll wake up refreshed or at least a little less not refreshed than we were when we went to bed. And that's the thing that there is about sleeping. That when you sleep, you wake up. That's what our Lord Jesus means when He calls death sleep. That it only lasts for a little while and then you wake up. This name, by the way, for death, occurs a number of times in the Scriptures. It is perhaps the most common of these sweet names of death. The first time it's mentioned in the New Testament, where it's an entire, where it's a theme unto itself, is in the Gospel text that we heard read in Matthew chapter 9. When the Lord Jesus comes to the house of the ruler whose daughter was lying dead and there was, and there was, the room was filled with mourners, people playing and singing dirges and our Lord Jesus says to the crowd, go away for the girl is not dead but sleeping. Jesus talks about death like this when he goes to see Lazarus, who had been in the tomb for four days already. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. If you're taking notes, you can jot down also Jan Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, John chapter 11, verse 11, Acts chapter 7, verse 60, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, and verse 51, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, and 5, 10, where the Bible also gives this name, sleep to death. Now, I think it's kind of funny that the Bible talks about death this way. That, that the Bible would give death kind of a, a pet name. Like, like an old married couple. The wife, uh, you know, the husband might call his wife, oh, that's my sweetie. Or the wife might call the husband, that's my old windbag. <laughs> or something like this. Jesus has this little pet name for death. Sleep, he calls it. And the people that were gathered around that day thought that it was pretty funny too. They all laughed at Jesus. The text is kind of stunning. And they laughed at Him. But perhaps this laughter is a bit more uh, cynical sort of laugh. Or more despairing. This crowd, after all, knows that you don't wake up from death. They know that dead is dead. Dust to dust. Ashes to ashes. 
In fact, I would suspect that the laughter that they have towards Jesus is growing out of something much, much deeper. Thousands of years of the human experience, from the ancient garden until then, every person who had lived, had died, or was in the process of dying. They knew, as we know, that death is a relentless pursuer, that the grave is a tireless tyrant that tracks us down. When we read through the pages of the Old Testament, just open and read through any of them, we read about saint after saint that feared God and loved God and trusted God and died. Adam died. Eve died. Abraham died. Isaac and Jacob and his twelve boys all died. Moses and Aaron and Gideon and David and Elijah and Isaiah and Ezra all dead. And, and now we have it before us, not just in our own history, but in our own lives. We all know this seriousness and the finality of death. Last week, right here at the altar, we read the names of all the dear saints from our little congregation that died in this past year. And none of us knows if we're going to be on that list next year. We have all tasted the bitterness of death. We have all felt the finality of a funeral service. We have all known the enduring loneliness that the death of a loved one brings. We know this. Everyone who's a human being knows this. And here comes Jesus right into the midst of this. Right into the midst of this mourning family and this mourning village where this little girl is lying in state, being prepared for her, for her burial. And he says, if you can believe it, that she's sleeping. The goal. You would have laughed too at Jesus because when someone says something that's so offensive and so ridiculous and so completely inappropriate and wrong, that's the only thing you can do. You can laugh at them. Sleeping? The man's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Get him out of here. He has no idea what it means to be a human being, to be a family and to be a friend, to mourn. But death for Jesus is also no laughing matter. He's not horsing around either. These people say, we don't like death. He should learn that. But Jesus, and I'm not sure if we can say this enough, Jesus doesn't like death either. (laughs) Jesus knows something that this crowd doesn't know. And perhaps something that we have forgotten because it's easy to forget. Jesus knows that death is not part of the human condition. That it's not what it means to be human to die. Jesus knows that we're not supposed to die. That we're not created to die. That death is bad. It's our enemy. It's the delight of the devil. That it's our punishment for sin. Jesus sees death for what is, for what it really is. Not part of the human condition, but an invasion, an intruder, something that doesn't belong with people, that doesn't belong with you. We have consigned ourselves to death. 
There's only two things that are certain in life, right? Death and taxes. You've said that? It's wrong. Jesus pays his taxes, so we'll let that be certain. But he doesn't let people die. He doesn't. Jesus does not accept death. He does not accept it as part of the human condition. He has not consigned himself to it. Learned to live with it. Endured it. Grown, let the pain grow through time. No! Jesus fights against it. Now make no mistake. All of us have deserved death and the grave. It is what we've got coming. But dear saints, Jesus does not give us what we deserve and what we have coming. He wants us in life. He wants us in eternal life. He wants us where He is forever. And this is just wonderful. For there's nothing in us or about us that makes us worthy of this honor and this love. Jesus just loves us. He sees us in our sin and in our death, sunk up to our eyes and ears in misery, and He says, I'm going to rescue them. But look, this matter of overcoming death is not simply a matter of being stronger than we are. Remember, death is the punishment for our sin. Jesus just can't bring His power to bear on death. It requires justice, payment, and suffering. Death requires hell and separation from God. Now, we don't see it in the text. In Matthew 9, Jesus simply touches the girl and raises her and she's healed. But Jesus can do this because of His cross, because of His suffering and His death and His resurrection. Because Jesus, who knows that in order to overcome death, that He Himself would have to die, and even more horrifying, He knows that He would have to take upon His holiness our sin and our wretchedness and the wrath and separation from God that is hell that we deserve. Still, knowing this, Jesus comes. And He is pleased to be born and mocked and stripped and ridiculed and forsaken by God and by man and, and to be put into a tomb for you. Knowing all of this, that it would take all of this to rescue you from death, He still does it. He takes your place under the wrath of God and suffers the pains of death and judgment and hell and damnation for you so that you don't have to, so that you can call, that you can call death by your own little pet name. Sleep. And all of this, dear saints, should make us laugh too. Not like the crowds that laughed at Jesus in mockery. We laugh at death because this is such stunningly good news. Your death, your death has been overcome. Your grave has been made by Jesus into a bed. Your tombstone is a pillow. Your death is a rest, a rest in the arms of Jesus, in the hands that were pierced for you, who will one day soon return and wake you with a shout so that you could live before Him forever in the resurrection. 
There is for us nothing to fear about death. Nothing. No condemnation. No wrath. No judgment. No terror. Jesus took care of all of that so that your death would be light and life and peace forever. Sleep. That is the sweetest name of all for your death, which Jesus has won for you on the cross. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Creator.